Welcome to For What It's Worth. Wait, wait, we're doing this thing? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. I just want you to know that you're all perverts. I don't know what I'm doing here. Thanks for keeping six feet between those two fools and your ear holes. I'm an innocent fox here. Your safety is important. Actually, you guys are streaming live. Oh. Woo! So we are Where? live. So I want to see you fix this as In the meantime, please prepare your ear holes for penetration by Rue and Tugs. And welcome yet again to another suddenly back on schedule release of For What It's Worth. In Seattle, I am Tugs Puppy Bear. Joining me from a land mysteriously far away is Rue. Hi, everybody. I'm Rue. <laughs> I'm here inside my home. Quarantined! Yay! <laughs> How have you been? Um, You know, that's an interesting question. You know, normally... I can't wait until we get to the time when somebody asks you the question of how are you doing? And you're, and you can just say the general generalized answer of I'm doing okay. But most of the time, whenever anybody answers that question, it's quite literally like, well, you know, (laughs) so I, I have failed to connect on this thing where like, I guess people would always ask me how you doing because that's the thing you do in the U S and like, it's more of a general greeting versus an actual inquiry. But I always answered that question, honestly. And I guess that's not what we're supposed to do. Uh, Apparently not. Most people, they just do it as a general greeting. And when somebody gets the answer of, Oh, I'm doing really crappy. And I'm doing like, people don't want to hear that. They want to hear the generic, um, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm all right. Yeah, no. Because Um, people like to pretend that they care, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. People love lip service. So, yeah, how are you faring with quarantine? Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, Things have been kind of getting weird here in Utah. They have decided that they are going to open up um, Utah a little bit more so people can go into restaurants and eat as long as they get a temperature tested and and they have to keep their mask on while they're eating. How do you do that? Exactly. <laughs> Basically what keep- happens is you pull down your mask with spaghetti and shove it in your mouth and then you like slip it back over and chew. So you have mm. spaghetti all over your mask. Mmm. <laughs> I don't feel like that's very sanitary. Eh. How's how's quarantine been for you, Tugs? Today begins week nine. All restaurants have become Taco Bell. I have learned how to use one of the three shells. And my walls are looking like scratching posts. So they're going well. So, in other words, you're going insane? Um, Yeah, my husband was saying that. I'm crawling up the walls. Uh, I'm going for a drive after this, though. I need to get out. I need to enjoy what the thing is in the sky. Um, I've I've got reasons, and I want to go just get out on a drive, which is fine. Um, I'm all right. Like, 
the I, I I can't imagine how much harder this would be without the internet, though. No joke. Can you imagine like all you've got is books and magazines, and that's it? Um. Oh my gosh, uh, that would be really really hard. I mean. I'll be honest, I'd be reading The Giver like five times, and after the first, I'd be like, okay, I, I'm ready to to like read something else. <laughs> right, you'd be like watching your Disney VHS tapes over and over, trying to to keep track of your brain. Um, uh, but then again, if we were back then, uh, back there, um, when we were younger, um, probably would we cared. know any different? Yes, kids have noticed, dogs have noticed. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, I mean, I guess I should probably try and and find something positive. There's a lot of positive stuff going on out there. Um, I've just been having a really, uh, interesting week. And so, you know, we all have those weeks and you just, you have to get through them, but boy, do they deplete a lot of your willpower at the same time, you know? You know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of feeling like that me and you have traded places last episode there's actually a couple of people that reached out to me and was like rue i just listened to your show and it sounds like that you were just doing you're you're having such a hard time what can i do what can i and so i want to say thank you to those people for reaching out i really do appreciate it and i'm sorry that if i came across as like doomsday rue of oh my gosh what are we gonna do um and and I'm sorry, Tugs, to hear that you're having a hard time with this. I mean, like you're saying, we we all go through those down moments. Yeah. So keep your head in the game, and you know we will we will get through this eventually. Things will get back to a new normal of some way or form. I it hope. may take us a little <laughs> bit of time to get there. It yeah. may be a a journey to get to that particular point but seriously like we'll get there we'll get there if not we'll all be in a grave and then we don't have <laughs> oh, to care okay that's that's perfect thank you i <laughs> you're welcome i'm sure oh, that my... you feel better i am gonna now charge you for my that therapy session <laughs> oh good well here's your payment ready no Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. Okay. All right. Is Rue ready? I don't know. No snowflakes in an avalanche ever feels responsible in bed with a cookie. You know, you've got to get better with this Googling on the fly. Uh, I found it. I've been told by Rue that I need to relax, so join me in this relaxing pool filled with lady jizz this golden weekend. 
all on for what it's worth. Tugs. <laughs> yes. I was just going to say, if you wouldn't mind passing me the soap, you know, that would oh. be nice. But Yeah, here we go. Who's in this hot tub with us? Hey, Nuka. Hey, Nuka. Oh, sorry. I was come, I was thinking about soup. Come join us. <laughs> come and join us. I don't I don't wanna I don't... <laughs> into the pool. I don't want it. I need to tell <laughs> what's touching my leg. That's oh. not a spider. It's not my leg. Oh my gosh. Okay, this bit has gone on far enough. People are probably like, what episode did I run into? <laughs> this was not the Lady Jizz episode. Oh my gosh, why are we saying Lady Jizz? That's offensive. Stop why am it. I still hearing Serenity? <laughs> <sighs> this is breathe only creating in. a contrast effect. It's making me realize how not at peace I am. Breathe out. <laughs> Imagine a tell. Bursting through the pants. <laughs> Remember to breathe when inserting and yourself. As you ass ass. Ass. <laughs> ass. Return to your primal state and think like a fox. <laughs> okay, so are we going to get I'm... on this? So, Are so we I guess what I'm something? saying is, I'm Nuka. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Relaxing is over. <laughs> the time for relaxation has passed. <laughs> so, everybody, we are joined here with Nuka. Hi, Nuka. How are you doing? And tell us, what have you been up to recently? I mean, first first it was, you know, are we going to, to, to bomb Iran? Are we going to get into war? And then it's then it's the coronavirus, and now it's the, the murder hornets. Uh, so 2020 is basically the way uh, all the science fiction stories said it would be. I mean, wasn't 2020 supposed to be like a new beginning? No, it was supposed to be exactly like this. War, famine, <laughs> murder, and uh, murder hornets. <sighs> He's not wrong. I mean, now it's just the zombie apocalypse that's going to be upon us. What roles would each of us provide? I mean, clearly, I would be the weapons specialist, you know, being able to turn the microphones into weapons. And Nuka would be our strategist. No, I'd be the scientist you find dead at the CDC. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Uh, And what would Tugs be? Dead. No, you would not be dead. This is going to be a very lonely apocalypse for you. It's just going to be me. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Ah. Uh, Anyways. Good luck, buddy. (laughs) In other words, you guys are going to be eating me. Ah. Yeah, pretty much. And Ah. the fan art begins. No, 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 no. (laughs) We already have Rue eating tugs. We don't need the other way around. Artist, I know you want to draw that, do but it. please, please put your pen down. Do put it, but do it bigger. D- me be a good artist and put the pen down. Thank you. Your sequence. Thank you. <laughs> so if you haven't figured this out already, this is an unconventional episode. This it's episode, a lost episode. is just going to be just whatever. 
Is it unconventional because there are literally no conventions this year? And <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. Is yes. this a 90s sitcom with the laugh track? We could perhaps call it, I don't know, Too Many Cooks or something. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that sympathy <laughs> at the end. <laughs> At the very end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we decided to do a second episode on the Ronas because nothing's normal right now. And uh, we might as well be part of history if we're all going to be here together, right? So we decided that we would have Nuki come on and talk to us about the science. We had Radix and Lokai last time, and they were great guests. And then we realized there's some stuff that we didn't get to. Let's bring in the science. And I thought I was just here to make stupid jokes. No, oh, but don't worry, I've got sound effects for days. Oh, good. Did he say days or gays? Both. I've got sound effects for gays and gays. <laughs> so, Nuka, give us the spiel. What is going on with this coronavirus? Give us the science behind it. Uh, I mean, I'm a psychologist, so. I can only really regurgitate what I've heard on the news. Let's talk about the social behaviors, though, right? That's oh, okay, the now, we're, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you know, yeah. Ahead. What What are the biggest impacts that you're observing as far as the lens of of social psychology and what's going on with with the virus? Yeah, I mean, I think people are starting to realize something that we've long known, but no one really takes the time to acknowledge, and that's that we are an inherently social species. It's it's one thing to say this and to say, yeah, humans are are by nature a social species, but it's another thing to really see the implications of that. So, for, for those who don't know, you know, going back to you know, hopefully, I don't have to convince you of evolution. Um, yeah, the 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 fact remains that we were never the fastest thing on the Serengeti. We were never the the strongest or the toughest. Uh, what we had going for us was the fact that we worked together. We we you know you might say it's our big brains and our, our our intellectual ability, but none of that would have amounted to everything to anything if we had to reinvent the wheel uh, with every new generation. One of the biggest benefits was that we we shared, we collaborated. We remembered, we built off of the knowledge of other people, and that's kind of where society comes from. And that's kind of hardwired into us. You know, the people who weren't very social, the people who kind of went off and did their own thing, they tended to uh, to not do a very good job passing on their genes. So uh, imbued within all of us is this, this innate need to be social. And we take it for granted when we're surrounded by other people. We take it for granted the fact that... Um, you know, we get a healthy amount of social interaction in our day-to-day lives, typically, even if it's just the people you see at work and, you know, or you chew the shoot with uh, at school. But, um, yeah, when you're taken away from that, when you, you put people into little boxes and you tell them they can't leave and interact with each other, uh, you start to see that it, it drives us a little, a little batty. So what are the stages that, that, I mean, I don't know, like... What are the stages of, of self-isolation that normally happen? Do you do you know? I mean, I wouldn't say that there's, there's stages per se. I would just say that it it, it, it becomes increasingly uh, taxing on us, right? So it's like with, with stress. Yes. Not necessarily a, uh, um, a, a, progr- a, a, a clear set of categories of, of stress. But over time, it's like it starts to build up. It starts things that you might have been okay with or patient with. 
a month ago eat away at your last nerve right now or things that you might have had the 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 resources the capacity uh to deal with just just burn you out i mean even even myself i'm definitely starting to notice this i'm i'm kind of a workaholic and even uh now in recent days i found myself just sitting down to do 4 hours of work which used to be nothing for me is just it's draining it's 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 hard i stare at the computer screen and go like man i i can't muster up the energy to do anything and it's not laziness it's not you know it's because we are you know a species that is being taken out of the environment that we're we're used to being in and that's that's crazy stressful on us shouldn't or didn't you talk about this in one of your get psychs where like we were like willpower is is a consumable energy yeah so uh, yeah so this idea of, of ego depletion this idea that we only you know willpower is kind of like a muscle and um you know, once you use a lot of it, it takes a little bit of time for it to come back. And certainly trying to get through your day without all of the external, you know, reminders and external forces that you usually have kind of guiding your behavior um, can, can, can sap up willpower. Not to mention you just have less of it when you're stressed. Like when you're stressed, you're constantly using mental resources and, and physical resources, just trying to keep vigilant and we can't do it forever. It's kind of like running your car into the red zone, right? Your car occasionally, if you need to get up a hill, you can push the the RPM into the red zone for a little bit, but we weren't designed, you know, it's like, like your car, your car wasn't designed to constantly be in the red zone. It wears out, you're going to blow the engine out at some point. And people are kind of like that. And what makes it so damn ironic, and I was teaching my class this just before um, this whole thing went down, uh, is that kind of ironically, people who are stressed are more susceptible to illness. Um, stress takes its toll on your immune system uh, because your body just, whenever you get stressed out, your body kind of turns off non-essential systems. If you have to run from a bear, you know, fighting off a cold is the least of your concern. So you kind of shut that stuff down in order to survive. But then that's a period of time when you're kind of vulnerable. Uh, you know, it takes time for your body to kick everything back on. And so if we're constantly living in this stressful uh, state, our, 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 our body is, it doesn't know the difference between, you know, being stressed out about an illness and stressed out about a bear. So we just live in this anxious state all the time. Well, we're, we're kind of leaving ourselves susceptible to coronavirus. And so to go back to something you mentioned earlier uh, in the show, you mentioned how much worse might this be with the uh, internet. This is true that it would be worse than that. It would be more isolating, but at the same time, um, having access to to all this news and having access to to all the doom and gloom going on around the world um, probably isn't helping either. The fact that we can see in real time death death tolls climbing um, probably isn't isn't helping our our stress levels much. <laughs> I can only look at the news currently for probably about five to ten minutes, and then after that, I mean, I I try I try to look at I try to be as informed as informed as I possibly can. I will watch other news outlets just so then I can make sure to, you know, kind of get everybody's, you know, spill of things. But lately it's been like, oh my gosh, I can only watch just a little bit of this. And it, I just get super stressed out. Yeah, I absolutely limit my news intake. I, I can't do it. I just can't. It's, it's, it's a lot. And man, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who's doing this. Like I had to tell my husband, like, you got to stop, like, you got to cool, 
cool, cool it down because it's just not going to work. I mean, you know? I guess some of the things that, that stressing me out, I mean, I don't know if you've seen on the, the furry Twitter sphere, but we've lost a, I mean, I, and, and by no means am I just saying only furry lives matter. You know, I I'm seeing What's a lot of you? people it's that we've life, been so. super close with that have passed yeah. on. Well, it's, it's, it's not to say that furry lives matter more, but when you're, when you're in a close knit community, losing someone in the community, even if you don't know them very well, it's a blow to the community, right? We're, we're this close knit community and it does resonate with us, makes, makes these things hit a lot closer to home and, and things that we might've been able to cope with, you know, if they happen to us in isolation or, you know, by themselves rather, not in isolation, but you know, when you're, uh, if this if this stressor had happened to us in the absence of any other stressors, we probably would have been able to handle it. But when you're piling it on top of all these other stressors, it becomes the straw that broke the camel's back. It's true. Yeah. So, Rue, do you do you still look at the uh, the numbers and stuff? Like, do you I look still at the, do. You do. I, I still look at the numbers because that even if it's just the five minutes of news that I can get through. I still look at those numbers because I want to see if whether or not that our numbers are going up or going down. It kind of helps me to to be able to gauge, even though that, look, there's a lot of factors that are involved in those numbers. And I get that. I get that, oh, just because the, the numbers have rised of people that are infected doesn't necessarily mean that we're heading in a bad direction. It could just mean that more testing was done on that day. And I totally understand that. However, I just like to, the number one thing that I'm looking at is the deaths. That's the, yeah, that's kind of what I do. Yeah. That's the number that I look at. And I know that's kind of depressing, but I mean, I feel for every single one of the people that, that are losing their loved ones and that are going through this. And like there's some people that I deal with in a personal manner where I'm a, uh, I'm a counselor to them and they, they come to me and they've said that their family member has been affected and that they've gone in for testing and, and they're scared. And it's, it's really difficult to, and I said this last episode, it's really difficult to be able to give to somebody and to help that person when you don't have any more spoons as Tug yes. say, um, to be able to give um, or um, oil in your lamp or whatever you want, whatever metaphor you want to use. You don't have, you only have so much that you can give to other people and it's hard to paint on that smiling face and, and, you know, tell people it's going to be okay when you yourself is also just as scared as they are. Yeah. Because we're all like, going no. through this right now. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, to mention something as well. Um, so I, I, I spent a lot of time looking at the news and, and I think it's important to, to not necessarily dwell on the numbers and, and obsess with the numbers, but let the numbers give a sense of perspective. Because <clears throat> it's really easy to to hear about individual cases, individual deaths. It's really easy to to look at a number and just kind of forget what that number means, right? Uh, it helps to have these little like there's a metric that recently showed um, 
the number of people who died now from this is, is, is exceeded the number of people who died in the Vietnam War. Uh, number, sorry, a number of Americans who died in the Vietnam War specifically. So the number of Americans who've died from this exceeds that. And I think without perspective like that, it's very easy to to forget and to 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 not learn something from this. I think that even in the worst of calamities, the worst of tragedies, you can take something useful from it. And my hope is that we we take something and we learn from this. We don't just try to go back to status quo. We don't try to go back to the world as it was. We say like, you know, this was this was a lesson. There's something to be learned from this. Um, how can we take it and make it so those lives weren't in vain and we can get something, get some knowledge out of that and learn. And it doesn't matter what, you know, take your, your angle on it, whether it's, hey, maybe we should, you know, fund more research on this sort of thing. Maybe it's, hey, we need to have better plans in place for when these things kind of happen. Maybe the lesson is, uh, as a society, we need to get better at, at endorsing healthier socialization habits, right? Whatever lesson you take from it. Nuka, I'm going to be Lucifer for you for a minute. Okay. 9 11. 9 happened. And mm-hmm. I, I think that we all remember when mm-hmm. that event ended up occurring. Yep. I, I feel like that people remember it, but yet they've forgotten so much. Well, so- and I'm afraid that, that history is just going to repeat itself again. With once you know this virus, the the stuff goes through. We'll we'll be good for maybe a year or two, maybe more understanding of each other, and then we'll just go back to the way that things were. See a, a counterpoint to that. I would argue that that people have people haven't forgotten nine eleven. I think the the impact of it still resonates in our society today. Like I think that that the world is a very different place from what it was back then as a result of what happened. Uh, I think a lot of bad decisions were made uh, without getting too political. One can argue that uh, at a time when you had the, you know, most Americans were, were standing behind a president ready to do whatever was said, right? And I think that was a, a, a wasted opportunity. I think there was so much you could have done with that potential and poor decisions were made, but you can't deny that there was there was an opportunity for for something to come from that. You had Americans uniting, you had Americans rallying, ready to do something. And I see the same thing happening right now. You see a lot of potential for some change. There's that 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 uh, that potential energy there, ready to 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 be pointed in a direction. Right? Americans uh, are at a point now where if you if you rally them and say, "Hey, let's all." Uh, uh, direct your efforts towards this one thing. You get some pretty amazing things done politically, scientifically, you know, whatever. Um, and I guess the, the idea, the question is, are, is it going to be squandered or can you instill good, positive, lasting change in a, in a fruitful direction? If, if, if the only thing we get out of this is a greater respect for the importance of health care and healthcare workers, then some good came from this, right? If 10 years from now, when people are talking about defunding or cutting healthcare programs, we go, well, hold on. Remember that coronavirus thing? You know, if, if, if that's all we get out of that, that was still something. I'm hoping that um, a lot more awareness of emotional health or yes. mental health will be yeah. on people's forefronts. And I've already seen a few um, news articles where 
uh, people have been really seriously talking about mental health because right now everybody is going through a mental health crisis right now and everybody's feeling the effects of this and so i i'm hoping that people will be more self-aware and more gentler like for instance if an an employee comes in and and says i need a a mental health day or i just need a day mm-hmm. like that people are going to like employers are going to be more okay with that or or even if it's i'm sick yeah sick and i don't feel different. good <laughs> Yeah. And and employers are going to be like, awesome, go home. We don't want you here. While before the attitude was, man, you better be on your deathbed. Mm -hmm. You need to get in here or you need to get a doctor's note immediately. Oh, God, I hate that. And it's and and from a social perspective as well, I think there's a a greater appreciation now for how it's really easy, especially in a very individualist country like America, to fall into the trap of thinking, I look out for number one, I care about mine and my own, and that's it. And we're starting to realize that, that you know, what is social isolation if not an opportunity for, for just pure unfettered individualism, right? This is uh, what happens when you leave a person to their own devices by themselves. Um, we don't do too well, right? We, we start to value things like our neighbors, start to value the importance of having a person next door to talk to, right? Or uh, being able to see your friends once in a while. And so... Um, my hope is that maybe you'll see uh, a greater appreciation for these sorts of things in life. Like maybe, maybe less less need to just, just acquire more stuff. I mean, we're at a time right now where you can still buy stuff on Amazon, but you can't see your friends and people are getting to the point where they realize I I would rather go see my friends than, you know, have some, some cute piece of technology in my house that, that isn't going to give what my friends can give me. Tugs, what's your thoughts? Uh, I've just been nodding the whole time. Quite clearly, everyone at home saw me nodding. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been that thing that I've been hammering for about nine weeks now, saying community matters more than anything right now. Like, without it, you are stuck alone, period. And it, yeah, I mean, I'm more aware than ever of the social network and support I have. And I'm, I feel for those people who are like, I mean, I'm fortunate enough right now to be married. I don't have to be completely alone. Um, and it's still hard. I can't imagine being single and having to go up and and fight this isolation fight in my head every day and be like, damn, like, you know what I'm saying? As a person mm-hmm. who lives uh, by myself in my own apartment, uh, yes. I mean, you're struggling with that, right? You're like, wow, God, this sucks. Like, you have no one in your space, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because... Uh, uh, People say, well, you're a psychologist. You're supposed to be, you know, this should be easy for you. You, you know how to deal with this stuff, you know. And um, I, I guess I, even I've been surprised. I was able to, to sort of uh, busy myself with work for some, quite some time. I had marking and, and, and exams. But with the, the, the end of the semester, I've been surprised by like, you know, it's, it's really starting to, to hit home for me that like, yeah, this, uh, uh, even myself, who tends to be a fairly introverted person, even I have my limits to that. And even I find myself going, man, I would, you know, I'd, I'd give pretty much anything just for a chance to go out and, you know, give me 10 minutes with my friends. Well, <laughs> oh and, my God, right. But, but the opposite side of things, there are families that are quite literally like they're, they're stuck with mm-hmm. all of their loved ones. And there's just too many cooks in the kitchen currently. And so it's, 
it's been crazy for them to be able to handle all of the emotions that are currently going on in their their family and the drama that that is happening because uh, I don't know about you but when I was a kid I probably wasn't a very nice kid to my sisters riffing on that idea though I, I you will find I think this is this is my big prediction um, you're gonna see a huge spike in in divorces but also a huge spike in marriages I think I wonder uh, if there's gonna be a huge spike in suicides. Yeah, I, I, yeah, huge spike in suicides, marriages, divorces, uh, and also pregnancies. I was gonna say, oh yeah, babies. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna have like baby boomers 2.0. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so look for that. I think when this because for exactly the reasons you say, right? It's it's one thing to to be stuck by yourself, but it's also another thing to uh, be stuck with the same two or three or five people or whatever in in a contained environment. I, which also speaks, I think, to sort of where we evolved. We evolved to be a social species, but we also evolved as kind of a nomadic species. Um, we true. wandered. We didn't. We didn't lock ourselves into a little box uh, and exist there. We tended to sort of move a lot, and we're realizing that that's kind of an inescapable part of our of, of who we are as a species. <laughs> so why were you born? My parents were born in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> that's. That's kind of a hard, that's a weird <laughs> question. Why were you born? No one asks that. <laughs> Not that I, way. You know, I mean, people ask me that and I just say, oh, it's because the condom broke, you know. Anywho. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. I was a mistake, guys. I was a mistake and I was born on April Fool's Day. I'm just a jokester. Welcome back. I hope that you had an amazing, long, wonderful potty break. And now, oh my gosh. And now we're going to go to Tugs, who is going to put on a really annoying song and tell our patrons how much we care about them. I don't have any other annoying songs on my soundboard. I'm so sad. All right. Too many cooks. Too many cooks, too many cooks. Ugh. Just for you, Rue. For what it's worth is brought to you by people. People just like you. People who feel like what we do is worth money. That's right, our Patronuses. And this is where we worship with the worship music and thank our Patronuses individually. So, we will start at the post here with GW. Moss, Bubble Whip, Ligris, 
Chapogriff, Aussie Cat, Simone. Then we move on to Koru, Katsi, Guardian Lion, Adelor, Baldric, Rifka, Nuka, huh? Kit, Ichi, and Jake Fox. And that is who we want to thank this month for supporting us. If you would like to support us, go to patreon.com slash fwiw and you too can be part of the joy, the wonderfulness, and the feeling of giving your money away for bad causes. Patreon. It's what's for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I I know what that nuka guy wouldn't take his money. I bet his checks bounce. (laughs) Just like his boobs. Oh. Oh, ouch. But honestly, you guys, we're grateful for all that you do. And I say this every single episode, but um, if you don't have the ability to sponsor or to be a patron, um, please, please just share the, the episodes to your friends. If you have somebody that's having a hard time with different topics or understanding a particular topic, maybe they don't understand baby furs. Maybe they don't understand... Um, I don't know, BDSM. I'm just trying to throw some things out there and they want to learn more, shoot them an episode or or send us a message and we'll definitely lead you to an episode that's related to that particular topic. But definitely make sure you do your search on your end first because, uh, you know, me and Tugs are so busy right now under quarantine, right? <laughs> I'm chilling with Barry White and uh, Granddaddy Purple. Very, I ate very, a pizza. Very- <laughs> Tell us about your pizza in grave detail. Grave it's detail? Tummy. It's yes. in my tummy. It's in your tummy. <laughs> he ate it and but, bored. But what what did it look like before it was in your tummy? A lot more coherent than it does in my tummy. <laughs> we now go live to his tummy. Nuka, the Vor edition. <laughs> Burn. Sorry, I should, I should have kept the slice and then just done an, an ASMR episode here. Just, uh, all right, we got the box open now and let's, uh, oh, yeah, this is, should I take a little nibble on the end right there? Yeah. A little dick nipple on the end. <laughs> uh, it was like that one episode that we never speak of where Rue just eats cookies the whole entire time. Oh, yeah. That was right after the McRib episode. Ah, oh, that was such a great Where episode. Where Tugs ate, ate nothing but McRibs the entire episode. That's every day. Oh, I remember actually, that episode point, when people were like, ew, McRib. this is gross. Ew, that's nasty. Ew, it it it, it tastes like dead leather. Mm. Mm, isn't leather always dead? If you're wearing live leather, you've got problems. <laughs> or a cat. So, should we jump back into the topic, my friends? <laughs> Four minutes ago, yes. Quarantine. It's what's for dinner. Talk <laughs> talk to us about coronavirus. I, so I did. What, what, <laughs> do you have any, are there any other observations or phenomenon that haven't been studied or we haven't had a good chance to experience in mass that like suddenly it's like, oh, well, since we're all in this giant experiment, let's learn something. Uh I mean, they're doing studies right now. There's, I just got an email uh, today saying the government of Canada is currently um, funding a whole bunch of psychological research. And uh, some of my colleagues have been like, hey, let's jump, you know, 
it's kind of hard being a researcher during these times because we feel sort of like vultures. Uh, just after 9-11, there was a, a famous group of social psychologists who were going around trying to study sort of in the immediate moment because you never get a chance. You know, two months from now, it's a little bit too late to study the immediate effects. So you have to kind of go down there and study it as it's happening. And uh, yeah, lo and behold, when people are kind of in the thick of it, they don't necessarily want to talk to psychologists who are studying them. But uh, yeah, there's there's definitely been talk about doing research on this subject because uh, I mean, this is the first uh, real international social isolation kind of uh, global pandemic situation that we've we've had a chance to study like this. So um, you know, researchers far more clever than I am are certainly uh, uh, jumping on board and trying to get this research out, get get to doing the research, collect the data while it's still uh, fresh because it's just not the same. You know, three months from now, asking people how did you feel during it. Uh, it's, it just it doesn't quite capture the the actual experience as it's happening. So, yeah, it's um. <clears throat> so over in Bunker Club, the uh, Radix and Loki show, I was listening to a recent episode, and they actually recorded themselves periodically through the week, and you could kind of see their moods go up and down and up and down, and you wouldn't get that kind of an insight unless you were there on the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting. Um. Okay. I mean, Ru- we've seen it within this episode. Last episode, I was down. You were up. Now, the opposite has happened. Why are you putting me down? I'm not trying to put you down. I'm only <laughs> trying that, to bring you back up. I know that historians will be uh, fascinated by this because, you know, compared to the 19, uh, uh, like the the the, um, the Spanish flu uh, in the late 1910s, there was... Uh, not nearly as much data and as much permanent records available as there are today. Like, you know, people a hundred years from now will be able to find all sorts of whether it's newspaper articles, websites, blogs. Like, I think of something like a diary, right? You know, uh, uh, we we get a handful of diaries from these historical times and try to piece together what happened. But now we've got you know millions, billions of tweets and Facebook posts to try to recreate what the the mindset of of the world was like during this. It's uh, Fascinating time to be a historian, I imagine. I always wonder. Like, it's hard to know what history is like after the fact. You know, like even like living through nine eleven, you're like, okay, how's the world going to be different? Because you know it is, and it's never what you imagine. It really isn't. Um, One of the experience that you go through is different from the story that's told afterwards, right? It's in the moment things are always chaotic, but with the the lens of retrospect. You can create a nice, tidy, clean little story about here's what happens in in a paragraph in a textbook, and it's never, never fully captures the chaos of the moment, right? You know, speaking of speaking of the changes, right? That's that we're going to be going through, or um, the norms that that we're going to be going through. Like for for example, I think fashion is going to change. I think that like, for example, we've already started seeing people with coronavirus haircuts, right? The, the buzz cuts. Um, I think that we're also going to see potentially um, women that are going to be wearing maybe, I don't know, less, less makeup, maybe having like less, um, you know, nails being put on. I mean, I have a coworker of mine that has picked off her fingernails because she hasn't been able to, and she accidentally pulled it too hard and popped off one of her own fingernails. I know that's gruesome detail. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> but like there's people that are dealing with this you know situation they don't have beauticians to go to 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 correct their nails and they're finding out that like keeping those things on um i don't know i i just want to say i was ahead of the curve on this uh uh this fashion thing of 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 coronavirus haircuts yeah i was ahead of the curve i've been bald for years and uh <laughs> i have a lot of a lot of concerns during this but a haircut is not one of them i got a big razor and uh I am absolutely able to uh, to to keep my hair perfectly coiffed and glossy and glossy. Oh shit! <laughs> you just you just shave it right off and put a little bit of wax on top of it. Little spit shine. <laughs> How do you get the spit up there? The, the rag. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Uh... Aren't you glad you brought an expert on? Yeah, this is great. I'm curious as far as like general behavior patterns. I mean, are there things that we need to be aware of down the road? Like, is there like, do people start like murdering and eating each other at some point? Um, I mean, I wouldn't expect that. I think what you're going to see, I I think what people are concerned about, and and I think for good reason, uh, is the backlash effect that comes from this, right? So if you look at the the, the trend for the, uh, the, the Spanish flu, um, it wasn't the first the first wave of the pandemic that killed people. It was the second one uh, that was far more more because they, they they tried to do their best to uh, implement social isolation policies to try to get people to distance, and people did for a while, and the death rates went down, and people kind of got into a a sense of security. They thought we we got it licked, we've beaten it, and then you get this this um, psychological reactance effect, right? When you tell someone not to do it something, the first thing they want to do is do it. So when you tell people right. you can't go outside then immediately open the floodgates and say, okay, well, we've lifted those restrictions now. People are going to be even more social than they normally would, right? You're going to see restaurants are going to be crammed and uh, social gatherings. Are, you know, hey, We're all going to have a party now, right? And uh, the problem is, um, you know, when this whole thing first started, it started with a handful of cases, right, in America. And that and for a handful of cases in America, it ballooned to a million cases. Well, what happens when the starting point is, is, 50,000 people or 100,000 people, right? You know, it's if we don't wait until there's only a handful of cases left in America, then everyone rushing out and let's go party and let's go, go you know, make up for lost time socially uh, is just going to make the, the second wave infinitely, well, infinitely worse. That's, a, that's an exaggeration, but I think worse. in two weeks, we're going to see a great big, huge spike tick. Yep. Yep, I think I'm I really think we concerned are. about it, but I really feel like that that's what's going to happen. But I'm not and, a fortune teller, and well, so much of that is psychology. It, it's it's basic psychology. Psychological reactance is about the most basic effect you can get. You tell someone don't do something, they want to do it more. They value it more. If you say don't hang out with your friends and family for two weeks, the first thing they're going to do is run out to hang out with their friends and family, right? So you're going to see this this unfortunate backlash is going to happen. And there's not really much you can do to stop it. People are going to be people. Um, you, you can try to, to implement all the laws you want. Uh, people will still find ways to, to hang out and, and, and see each other. So in other words, this is the perfect time to say, do not tweet this episode out. Don't. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't tweet this episode out. <laughs> don't share out. it with your friends and don't family. Don't share it with your friends and family. Right? Yeah, yep, okay. exactly. <laughs> you're, you're a master of reverse psychology. I heard all those clicks just now.
<laughs> so, Rue, what do you got coming up that you're looking forward to as far as the Ronas? Well, um, on my end, um, more work and my significant other is now looking at doing hospital shifts. So now he's working 12 hour days. And so there's going to be some weekends that I'm not going to be able to see him at all. So at least he doesn't have to work like, um, you know, swing shifts or graveyards, but, um, but at the same time, it's quite literally going to be like, he's going to come home. We're going to feed him dinner and he's going to go to bed. It's basically going to be it for the next six weeks. So honestly, on my, um, on my side of things, I'm worried about my mental sanity. So I'm just going to be really relying on internet folks. Animal crossing. (laughs) Lots of animal crossing. Oh my gosh. Got to get those bells up. I'm already at seven million bells. What do you need that many bells for? Turnips? Uh, I, you know, the turnip, the stock market. <laughs> yeah, I hear on that. Um, I Got don't have anything that exciting coming up. Um, I'm really, the hard part for me is I want to travel just to unwind. And like my usual outlets are gone. And it's really taking a toll on me. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like you work hard all week and you want to go hang out with your friends because that's the reward. And then there's no reward. So it makes that ego depletion accelerate pretty badly. So what have you been doing to look for rewards for yourself, Tugs? Because that's, that. I mean, at this point, that's what we're going to have to do is find other ways that we can reward ourselves. Well, I have been. The thing is, is those, I know they're substitutes, so they don't last long. They get, I get maybe two to three weeks out of those. And then I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, but the thing I really want, you know, um, sorry about the on. So it's, one of the rewards that I heard that you gave yourself was, um, a VR headset. I mean, yeah. has that still provided some escapism it's, it's helped, for yourself? It's, it's helped in that I don't feel cabin fever, but it's still very isolating. You know, it's, it's hard when you can't see your friends and like furries are touchy feely folks. And so not having physical interaction, there's no substitute for it. Like, sure. It's cool to like see people online and it, it helps you, it helps occupy your mind and stuff, but it doesn't fulfill certain needs. It just doesn't. And so, you know, it's one of those, I'm, I'm compensating for the lack of the touchy-feely physical interaction with other things, but those are starting to get long in the tooth. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll work on finding something else, but yeah. And in the meantime, of course, then it's stress, which leads to sleep deprivation, which feeds into immune system maintenance. And like, so you have to be on top of all of it. And I've, I've been glad for the, for the routine for sure. You know, it's, it it really does feel like that we're in, uh, some sort of like weird experiment, like, you know, that psycholo- the, the, that psychology experiment where they have a monkey and the monkey, um, is given like, I don't remember what it was like a robot or something that was warm or some, I don't know. Oh, okay, Do you know yeah. what? So yeah. That's T- tell me about that experiment. Study. 
<laughs> the yes, what? It's the Terry, it's the Terry Cloth uh, Mother Study, it was called. Yes. And, tell, uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So it was done by a fellow named Harry Harlow. Um, and the idea was he took these, these little infant rhesus monkeys from the mother and he wanted to see what, what he was, he was trying to answer the question, what is love? Baby, don't mm-hmm. hurt me. But yeah. Um, but the idea was he wanted to see what is it that attaches the infant to the mother? Is it because the mother is the, the source of food or is it because the mother is a source of comfort? And so they would put this little baby monkey in a cage with two different, um, quote unquote, fake mothers. One was just uh, a warm piece of terry cloth uh, around sort of a, a frame. So it provided comfort and warmth. And the other one was this cold steel mesh in the shape of a mother, uh, with which had food, the, the baby could nurse from it. And uh, what they found was that the baby attached itself, it's been almost all of its time with the terry cloth mother, which was taken to suggest that the, the love isn't just what people do for us. It's not, you know, you don't love your mother because your mother, you know, fed you, you love your mother because of the comfort that that was provided. And so it suggests that he, people are, are touchy, feely, we're social creatures. We don't just like what we do for each other. We, we just like the, the, the presence of other people. So in other words, what I, what, what I guess I, that I was trying to allude to is like VR chat or getting on like, um, get, getting online and talking to friends. It's almost like we're in that experiment. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to things like touch in particular, um, there, there, there's a, a hormone called oxytocin that's released when when you make skin to skin contact with someone. Uh, it's everything from why a mother bonds so strongly with her child. You know, nursing releases oxytocin. Uh, it's why cuddling often feels good. It's the release of oxytocin that comes from it. That's why um, people seem to bond so much over sex during orgasm. Oxytocin is released, uh, and so VR. It's it's a big question, I guess, whether or not seeing someone in VR and, you know, if you were digitally touched by someone, if someone touched your arm in VR, if you cuddled with someone in VR, would you get that same rush of oxytocin? And I'm convinced you, you wouldn't, that would be my hypothesis. I don't think um, you would. Yeah. It's, it's, it's missing something visceral. Well, that, and that's the inherent problem with VR is VR is great, but it's still virtual. Virtual implies it's not tangible. It's, it's only partially tangible until they get full haptic feedback suits then forget it. But like, we're, we're years from that. Yeah. I mean, you can get something out of it. Like I, I always make the argument to my class when they say it's virtual and not real I say, well, okay, but if you've ever watched a horror film and your heart rate has gone up, you know, it's a horror film, but you still experience the, you know, so you, just because it's, it's, it's fictional doesn't mean that it doesn't have a real effect on you, but there are limitations, right? There are certain mechanisms yes. like the release of oxytocin is a very, uh, I, I'm willing to believe that's a very, physiologically grounded mechanism. Um, you can't just will yourself to re- release oxytocin as far as I know. Uh, yeah. Oh, let's see. Let's uh, do some quick Googling. Cause I'm curious oxytocin, but you, you can, uh, you can get it in a spray and shoot it up your nose. They've done studies and shown, for example, that uh, if you take two strangers and you, you shoot oxytocin up their nose, uh, they start trusting one another. Uh, oh, really? Immediately. Yeah. Oh, uh, which, that's which interesting. Is which has led to people taking that uh, that good science and then immediately going to the bad science direction and saying, well, why don't we just dump rivers full of oxytocin? <laughs> like, uh, well, there we go. Don't... That That's what you <laughs> yeah. do is that you, you have VR chat and you cuddle with somebody 
and you just you know kind of sniff some oxytocin and you're just good shove this up your nose and you're good right <laughs> this doesn't this doesn't uh seem like it would work solving uh, the world's problems one at a time well tugs we have solved your problem go right. buy some oxytocin it's I what's can. for dinner <laughs> it's what's for dinner <sighs> I, so well, what are you going to do to get by Rue? I'm curious. What, I mean, you, I guess you're not really locked down in the sense that like I am, but like you're staying home, right? So I, I'm not as locked down. I'm still being very careful. Um, however, I may, and this is when you're going to get upset with me. Rue! I may start allowing certain people to come to my home as long as both of them have, you know, a clear, clear bill of health. But by no means is that it's, it's a risk, right? It's well, like that, sleeping with people, right? If you go out and you sleep with a whole bunch, if you sleep with somebody, you're a taking a risk. If you know that that particular person has been, on grinder sleeping with every single person that's out there then you know that you're taking a bigger risk ironically the coronavirus is not spread through sexual contact it is not you're right 100 and i'm not I'd saying smart, i just be a smart ass i know what you're saying there because like my friends I'm, i do have one or two friends that we recognize that longer term we're going to have to balance risk against against staying safe and like we've we all are very open with each other about like okay you know i i i will tell you if i get sick i will tell you you know i vice versa and stuff and like you know but we're limiting that to like one or two people so that way at least i have something because ultimately we're going to be with this for a long time like until we have science come through for us and develop the shot we're we're going to have to face this it's just how it is I have these things called Wednesday nights, wonderful Wednesday nights. That's what they're called. And I used to do like wonderful, wonderful waffle Wednesdays and spaghetti, um, spaghetti Westerns and eating spaghetti, like little silly things. I are very merry on birthdays where I had everybody bring their, their teacups and we had an Alice in Wonderland tea party, uh, like different things like that. And, and I've started doing those again. And having a whole mass group of people coming to my home. And since then, it's like, no, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, we, we also hosted D&D over at our, at our house. And people would come here and we've stopped doing that. And it's going to be, um, it's going to, we're going to continue to not do that. But on our end, what we'll do is we'll assess and we'll talk as a couple between each other and we'll assess the risk of the potential couple that we are inviting into the home. Um, but that's what we're doing on our end. And then we will make a decision together of whether or not that we are okay as a couple to, to make that particular risk. One of the things that we have set as a rule with each other is no kissing, like no kissing, no, you know, but, but what if I want to softly kiss you downstairs? No. Oh, well, I don't know. No, no. You heard it now, guys. No more softly kissing downstairs. 
Well, I was um, promised some soft kissing downstairs to go on the show. So, uh, but, but honestly, I someone's going to have some explanation. I've even kept like sexual encounters to nothing. I haven't done anything. So, I know all it all it's been is Polly and me. Come on, one more. We got to go for three. No, that's it. What have, What are you doing, Luca? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, what am I doing? Just boom. Um, well, I'm, I'm locking the doors so no one gets into my place. Uh, for soft kisses. I started I started sh- bottling my urine, as I think you're supposed to do, right? That's what you're supposed to start, <laughs> start in jugs. I got, got several 55-gallon uh, tanks going right now. Because um, you have the antibodies, right? You're gonna well, sell them. I mean, this, the piss market is gonna be just off the hook once this uh, once this clears up, and I'm, you know, sitting on a gold mine right now. Oh my gosh! I heard that if you inject it in yourself that has antibodies, antibodies, heard great things. No, I think I think the only the only guilty pleasure that I have during all of this is uh, there's I'm I'm fortunate enough to live right next to a river, and uh, there's a little trail that runs along the river. And so I've been doing 10 kilometer walks or six miles for American folks, uh, six mile walks, uh, you know, every day or every other day. And the good news is that, uh, there's not a lot of people out and probably in a, in a two hour walk, I might see one or two people and we, we just sort of stay, uh, you know, it's easy to stay six or seven feet away cause it's a nice wide trail. So, uh, that's kind of been my, my one guilty, you know, uh, leaving the house thing is to go get a walk and it's, uh, been helping my physical health. So that's been, that's been good. I feel less tired, less irritable. Maybe just from working all of the, the, the angst out of my system, I get home and I'm tired and I, you know, when you're tired, it's a lot harder to be uh, anxious. Really? I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like if I'm more tired, I'm more anxious. I, maybe you can at least attribute the fatigue to something besides stress, right? If you feel tired, you can say, well, I, I, I'm tired and I feel this way because I walked six miles, not because I've been worrying all day. Mm, I got you. When I get home from work, I have no energy left. I just eat dinner and I fall asleep. Like I've been going to bed like an old person because I just don't have anything that's going on. It's like nine o'clock and I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going uh, to bed. I'm pretty lucky that I, I work. I get to work from home. I'm writing a book this summer, so it's not. Uh, uh, I get to work from home for that. <laughs> It's good that you have that, though. Do you have, like, a different space you use when you're doing um, your professional work? Yeah, for the first time. Up till now, I've been living in these tiny little um, – what's the word? Is it, uh, is it bachelor apartments? The place where everything's kind of one room. So studio. Kitchen, studio apartment, yeah. And this is the place I'm living now is the first place where I, I got a two-room apartment. So one room is my bedroom and the other room is my office. And that's been helping, I think, too, uh, having the separate spaces for that. Yeah, absolutely. I have a workspace and then a not workspace. Tugs, what are you doing? What am I doing right now? No, just what are you doing to get through this? Um, a lot more cooking, which is kind of like a fallback for everybody. But like, um, I've been doing like cooking from scratch is actually like you can eat a lot more stuff and it's not as bad for you because it's not ultra refined processed stuff you just buy. So we've been making, I think, a little bit more like pastas and pastries and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, I have enough going on outside of the house 
between two jobs and this and stuff that like, I'm not hurting for things to do to stay busy. I'm just not getting any of the payout, you know, and that's, that's just the risk that I took, I guess, in setting everything up to be virtual and anywhere. But then when I want to go out, I can't. So that's, that's the struggle, but I mean, I'm, I'm staying busy just by virtue of all the things I've got going on anyway. And then gaming at night. Just gaming. Well. Have you gone to the hot tubs lately? Oh, psh. what do you think? Absolutely not. That's the last place that I'm going to be going. Uh, that would be not responsible. So um, how are you we've definitely also stopped at all the clubhouse stuff. Definitely. The clubhouse is completely closed. So guys, all of my social stuff has been nothing next to next to nothing. However, last night I did go out and grab some food and I heard this guy talking about, oh, I went over to this bar and this bar and, and I know that I'm not the one to judge, but I'm like, oh my goodness, like this guy is like get your priorities straight basically bragging about all the different places that he's been and it, and it just rings like it just like what nuka said is that people are going insane now that they've gotten an ounce of like freedom of going back to normal people are just going insane and going out to every single party that they possibly can go to and um, I think that that's going to really negatively affect us. And I'm not here to fear monger or I'm just basically trying to say to everybody, be careful, be smart, use common sense. That's and what I'm here for real. is to fear monger. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you're not going to fear monger and use common sense, please go only to places where other people are not exercising common sense. Keep what's your what's your final thoughts, Tugs? Wash your damn paws. Um, just you got to get through it. Like, there's no choice. The sooner we all get through this, the better off we'll be. But it's one of those things where we're not good at time sensing, and so you know, nine weeks inside is a long time. It certainly beats nineteen weeks inside or a year inside. So everyone, just get your shit together and go inside if you can. And if you can't, you know. Be kind to those people. There's a lot of people who I've seen are just treating people in retail like crap. Like I go to the grocery store because I have to eat food and this guy's yelling at them. And it's just like, dude, you need to calm down. You know, they're doing the best they can. Um, and then also, you know, do what you can to keep the people out there safe. For instance, I do touchless payments now. Like it's either Apple Pay or mobile app or something and pick up. That way I'm not handing them anything. They just hand me stuff and I leave. So, you know, do your part and everyone will get through this. Nuka, what's your thoughts? Um, read a fucking book. Uh, <laughs> I, say, I say that in all sincerity. Um, so much of what's happened, people ha- act as though this were unprecedented. People act as though there's no way we could have seen this coming. There's no way we can know what's going to happen next. And the truly frustrating thing for experts, whether you're an immunologist, whether you're a history major, whether you're a psychologist, is so much of this 
was was predictable. Immunologists were were crying, you know, in, in December and January, and and no one listened. And and history majors were saying, "Hey, look back to what happened during the Spanish uh, flu, and and what you know, what kinds of lessons we could learn from that." And no one listened. And psychologists are saying, "Hey, look." You know, as soon as you open those floodgates, you're going to get, you know, these tremendous backlash effects, these psychological reactance effects, and no one's going to listen. So it would be nice if people could, you know, as a society, maybe become a little more learned when it comes to these sorts of things, maybe get a little bit of knowledge and and make some informed decisions as a society, whether it's in who you vote for, whether it's it's in your own behaviors, whether it's in, you know, how you talk to other people, um, just just learn a thing or two about what's going on because we, we don't have to be making this worse with our decisions. We don't, we, we can learn something from the past and we can learn something from what's happened now. And I guess if, if we're not, if we're going to be too dumb or if it's too late to learn something from this, then maybe next time around we'll, we'll remember this and maybe next time we'll get it right. So I read, read a fucking book. My, f- <laughs> my final thought was going to be, um, if you haven't, this is mainly for the U.S. Um, first. So rest of you, if you want to shut the podcast off now, you can go ahead and do Just kidding. I'm joking. Um, number one thing, irs.gov. If you haven't received your stimulus check, go on to irs.gov. Find out why you haven't received your stimulus check yet. Make sure that you put your information in there. Maybe they sent it to the wrong place. Maybe... Um, something's going on, um, and you need to put, enter in some information. Um, so make sure you go to irs.gov and make sure that your information is correct there. Um, as far as if you have been furloughed, do not fret. If you have been furloughed, get on to, um, your state's, uh, website in which you can file for unemployment Get that in as soon as you possibly can. And please, please, please do not get frustrated if it takes forever for your, I get it. It's your livelihood, but every, the whole system has been completely slammed. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know what people, um, they should have their shit together and how, you know, I get it. People need their money. Right. But a lot of these unemployment offices are receiving two years worth of work in the matter of months. And so knowing that and putting that into perspective, like they're doing what they can to get through as much as they possibly can. So if you need help or you're trying to contact somebody, make sure that you're contacting them like at seven o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock and get in there before the, um, before the telephone lines get jammed up. Um, But definitely, if you get furloughed, make sure that you apply for unemployment. That that will give you um, $600 extra. Um, If you qualify for $1 of unemployment, you'll get $600 on top of that. So you'll be getting $601 a week. So don't fret. There's a lot of people that have said, well, Rue, I don't want to file for unemployment. I feel like I'm using the government system and I I am better than that. Like or not better than that, but they just feel wrong about using it. Look, you pay taxes. 
you pay taxes. And so therefore, this money that you've paid in, into the system, this is your benefit. So use it and make sure to to file for unemployment because you don't know where this virus is going to take us. You don't know how long you're going to be unemployed for. You don't know when you're going to be able to go back to work. So definitely get as much um, financial help as you possibly can and don't buy dumb shit. Like seriously, this is not the time to go, you know, upgrade a whole bunch of stuff and get all this technology stuff. This is the time for you to really limit what you're buying and save as much as you can, because we don't know when some of these things may possibly run out. And um, you may run out of unemployment or something like that. And then you're like, oh, shit, I should have held on to some of that money to be able to make ends meet. So definitely set yourself a budget. And I know I'm going long winded on this, but again, it's super important. Make sure that you're budgeting and try to only live within your means and get what you need and hold off on what you want. There you Amen. go. That's my soapbox moment. And make make sure that budget includes a few dollars to buy a gallon of Nuka's top quality piss. <laughs> Nuka. <laughs> ah. All right. Well, on that note, this has been Rue. This is Tugs. Oh, shit. The pizza's here. <laughs> and this has been For, for what, what, it's what It's Worth. Yay, you said it. <laughs>